Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 73, The Herbal Entrepreneur with Yolanda Joy. In this episode, we speak with Yolanda about growing up in Australia and moving to Italy, where she fell in love with plants like yarrow and elderberry, which before she had only met in fantasy books. We talk about how she studied pharmacy and the transition from pharmacy to herbalism and the change in worldview and mindset that that entailed. We also talk about her successful herbal conference, the Herbal Entrepreneur Conference, and how she wanted to be an herbal business owner but didn't have that many resources, so she put together the resources, got together the people, and started her own conference. AC is one of the speakers at this conference, and it's coming right up, so I will hand it to her. Great. Thanks, Isaac. So yeah, the Herbal Entrepreneur Conference is coming up next week. It's starting March 21st, and it goes for... about a week till March 27th and it's all online it's free to attend with an option to purchase all of the recordings to be able to watch at your leisure Yolanda is hosting over 30 amazing speakers like Rosemary Gladstar, Saja Popham, Sarah Corbett who we've had on the show, Karen Rose, Maria Noel Groves, just so many all-star herbalists sometimes at these conferences I get overwhelmed by just how many amazing events there are and I want to attend them all but Yolanda has made it easier for me to decide what kind of classes I want to focus on during the live sessions at least and she has these different pathways so there's a grower pathway if you want to learn from some amazing farmers there's the maker pathway which is the one that I'm speaking to about certified kitchens and um, there's a seller pathway and a healer pathway and a teacher pathway. So I think that's a really cool way of breaking up the different, you know, hats that we herbal entrepreneurs wear. And what's cool is, you know, sometimes we have to wear all of them. So (laughs) if you get the recordings, then you can, you know, really go through and dive deep into some of these lessons from these teachers who have been there and done it, and they will help you level up your herbal business. So I'm excited about this event. Again, it's coming up March 21st, 2022 to the 27th. And if you use our affiliate link that we'll post in the description of this podcast, then Isaac and I will get credit for the referral. And if anyone purchases a pass, we'll get a percentage of that sale. So this is a great way to, again, help out the podcast. But it's also a great way for us to be able to get the word out about these online herbal events that we are super proud to be sharing with y'all. So thank you for listening. Thank you so much for sharing this podcast with your friends. Thank you for hitting subscribe and like and for all of the things that you do. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. Today in the Plant Cutting Podcast, we are thrilled to have Yolanda Joy joining us. How are you today, Yolanda? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on today. Totally. So you're calling in from Italy today, right? I am just, um, yeah, I live just outside of Florence in Tuscany and, um, yeah, I'm calling in from Italy. I'm originally from Australia though. Okay. Wonderful. I was wondering about that accent. It sound <laughs> Italian to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do get a lot of questions about it because it doesn't really sound totally Australian anymore because I've lived all over the place, all over the world. And I've basically learned how to talk clearly to people who don't speak English as their first language. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's definitely changed my accent over the years. Yeah. Cool. That's really interesting. Florence is such a beautiful place. I was able to go there for a brief stint in college and it's just the most I, I think Italy is one of the most amazing beautiful places on earth yeah well it is a beautiful beautiful country it's um interesting because I was almost a little bit hesitant to come here the first times because um yeah well like the reason I'm here is because I married an Italian man and so the first couple of times coming here I was like oh I don't know like whether I could actually live here even though it was so beautiful I was kind of had all these barriers up but Mm -hmm. um yeah I did end up moving here and have lived here for 
um, I, around eight years now and um, yeah, definitely love it now and um, loving it more and more. Excellent. So we have a traditional first question on the podcast and it is, how did you come to the plant path? Yeah, well, I think that's a good, good first question for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, the For me, I would say it's been probably more coming back to the plant path Mm. so like I as a child I grew up on a like farm in the middle of nowhere in Australia and um yeah I was one of five kids on the farm and um yeah a lot of our time growing up was really just outside and um playing in nature um but it was interesting in that I yeah growing up I kind of moved to the city to go to university I actually ended up studying pharmacy and um I guess uh changed a little bit or like uh went more into more traditional pathways but it was actually me moving to Italy that really uh did wake it up a little bit more and it was very much to do with I I really do like fiction books and um I remember coming to Italy and seeing the plants that were here and the plants that are in Italy are very different to the plants that are in Australia and it was very interesting being able to um, recognize plants that I had been reading about in uh, mm-hmm. fiction books so I'm not sure if you you probably have read them too but often they talk about like a yarrow and elderberry and these sort of ones in books but especially yarrow when they have like wounds and stuff like that and I remember seeing yarrow for the first time being like oh my gosh this is like the plant that was uh, in the books that I've been reading about and just um it piqued my interest and because I had kind of grown as a person it um I had a new perspective like I'd studied pharmacy and so then I was learning about the plants from a new level I think and so then I just became really really interested in it and started learning more and more and then I think what a lot of people who study herbalism do kind of fall down the rabbit hole so to speak as far as they start to learn something and then that sparks the next interest and it goes on and on and on and you get more and more interested and that was definitely true for me and so it was um I think yeah in general, I guess it was coming back to the plant path because of the the new plants that I was experiencing just like reinvigorated my interest. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what was the books? What, what kind of fiction books do you read? Or do you remember the book that, insp- that uh, he read Yarrow first in? Or? Um, oh, gosh. The... I don't even know exactly, but several yeah. because it's, um, I am like definitely enjoy fantasy books and um, yeah. yeah, all sorts of different fantasy books. But it's funny because I, I can't even think of it now, but um, there are, it, it's not just one, it's several that there has yeah. been. There was a couple that was set in like Scotland that I read that mm. um had so it was not even Italy obviously but um I think it's more the European so the those plants in this area that were in the books I'm I'm trying to think but I don't actually um the names are not coming to me (laughs) I've read a lot of fantasy in my day and and they all kind of seem to blur exactly yeah that's true Yeah, that's definitely like my experience. But it's not just one. Like I definitely heard about yeah. Yarrow being used in several different books. Yeah. So you mentioned that you had um, formal training and you worked in the pharmacy industry. And I'm wondering if as you've been studying herbalism, if you found any like overlap between pharmacy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, um, yeah definitely. My study in pharmacy has really helped um with my understanding of herbs but like first of all because of the understanding of the body is quite similar when you're looking at herbs from like the physiological point of view so that like um uh, the first like I think especially the first part of my pharmacy degree was more related on the the body and that and then then you get more into the drugs and how that works um and so that's like definitely um applicable but then um to a certain extent, we did learn about herbs a little bit in pharmacy as well, but sometimes from the opposite kind of direction as right. far as like um, we often had to 
have case studies and then you would get a um a patient a theoretical patient that had like 12 medications and there were all of these drug interactions and things that were going on and then they would have some sort of symptom that we needed to work out and then um we would have to make a recommendation and like one of the most common things that was like it seemed to always be an exam was like a um SSR, SRI with like the antidepressant drug with um St. John's Wort was like always in the exam and it was like the big bad guy was St. John's Wort and at that point when I was studying um, pharmacy I didn't actually really know what St. John's Wort was in fact I'm not even sure if it grows in Australia and Australian maybe should correct me because I, I haven't been back to kind of check <laughs> but it definitely goes in grows in Europe and it's one of the um the plants that I really enjoy working with now just in that it um yeah changes its color and it's um I definitely feel connected to St John's wort now mm. but um it was just interesting as far as the we learned about that herb as like the bad guy in pharmacy because it um changes the way the drugs are metabolized in the liver and so it just kind of messes up the dosing essentially and um it's a problematic for pharmacists and so that was like an example of um uh kind of the, the change in perspective as well and um i think yeah but basically, yes, there is a lot of overlap and also just uh, understanding how to research and find good data and all of that sort of stuff. I learned that right. well in university and that definitely helps as well in the pharmacy field, in the herbalism field, sorry. And also probably interface with like healthcare workers better too, because you can speak the language and so on. Yep. Yeah, um, yep, definitely. So, so has... <laughs> Has there been a change in perspective or perception in regards to um, herbalism? I mean, obviously, like you're you you consider yourself more of an herbalist now, uh, but like, how was that change from like pharmacy to herbalism? Well, yeah, for me, it actually, yeah, it started while I was studying. I um mm. I didn't actually really enjoy studying pharmacy towards the end of my degree, and that was primarily because um. It really, really frustrated me, the um, linearity of the way decisions are made. And, like, I understand why it's like that. Like, um, so just as an example, in Australia, they use the therapeutic guidelines. So it's like a set of books that, um, and doctors and pharmacists use the same books, but it's like a set of books that basically outline the rules for how decisions are made in the medical profession. So um, if like a patient has these symptoms and these symptoms, like the first recommendation is this drug. If this drug doesn't work, then you go onto this one. And it's like literally a list that you kind of work down. And they have that so that like, if there are problems, the doctors can say like, I made that decision because it says in the therapeutic guidelines to do like that. And um, it kind of makes sense, but it just completely disregards like the individual person and what you talk about in herbalism and um, mm. the the constitution of the person and, and really considering each individual, like it just doesn't yeah. have that in the guidelines. Like it's, it's, there's one line there's not multiple lines depending on, yeah, the different ah, factors. Right. Everybody's. And, the same and they <laughs> yeah yeah like, I mean of course they have different doses and things like that and like there's like if if they're a specific symptom or condition or drug at the same time then they might bypass one option and things like that right. but in general it's very linear and um as I was studying it I really really felt like they were training me to be a robot like it was just um I I had to learn the rules that were in the book and then put that into my exams because of they were what we needed to practice with going down the line. And yeah, basically it, I really didn't enjoy it. And um, I finished the degree, but at the end of it, I was kind of like um, not so unhappy that I had a reason to not continue my career as a pharmacist because yeah. of I had a kind of easy way out or an experiment, I don't know what we'll call it, but that would be the my Italian boyfriend who is my, now my husband. Um, we decided to, at the end of my degree, we actually moved to China for a couple of months. And after that, we moved to Italy. But it was um, just to, to see 
how it went and what it was like traveling around the world and um it was a, a way for me just to I guess bias of myself some time to figure out if pharmacy was exactly what I wanted to be doing mm-hmm. and um yeah I'm glad I bought that time because it definitely allowed me some time to figure it out a little bit more and um yeah I did follow a different path mm, yeah yeah it sounds pretty mechanistic like all the people are like interchangeable to a certain degree and that you know, you just check boxes and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it really, really is like that from like, and I really did feel like you were just being trained to follow rules and yeah, I'm not someone who likes rules very much. And so it was, it was pretty frustrating. And so, um, yeah, like I was quite happy just to leave it at that point when I finished my degree and to, yeah, to get up and go to China and ended up being, I ended up being like a babysitter for six months and then started, um, yeah, working online after that. And, um, it was good to have that time just to, um, uh, see how things pan out, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you got into herbalism, uh, who were some of your teachers or mentors? Like how did you uh, begin to study it? Yeah. Good question. Um, the, there were several. So, um, yeah, like my initial, initial teachers were books The I would say the, um, and, and the people in the town that I moved to as well. So, um, yeah. Oh, so, so was there like a, 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 a tradition in, in the town where of, of herbalism, like folk herbalism? Yeah. Yep. Yep. There most certainly was the, um, so yeah, I moved to, after a year of being in Italy, we moved to a little town, um, called Orsinia, which is, yeah, a tiny town about an hour away from Florence in like the Alpenini. So it's like the little Alps that are, um, further down in Italy. Um, and yeah, it's a beautiful town. I absolutely love living there. Um, but yeah, that was, that was when I discovered Yarrow, for example, but also yeah that um my neighbors were like picking elderberry and yeah st john's water as well grows all along the river down there and um there it's just that it's alive with herbs that whole valley of um the valley of Asinia. but um yeah i s- saw my neighbors picking stuff and i was like oh what's that and then figuring out what it was but in particular um yeah my husband and i actually made friends with an elderly couple in the in the town so um they were around 70 years old at that point and um 65 70 around there and um yeah we made really good friends with them they helped us with learning how to you know cultivate the land start our vegetable garden and they like gave us their heirloom uh, beans to grow and things like that but also just um yeah I guess introducing us to the plants of the area they really helped with and it was a really nice relationship with them as well as far as um yeah they would come to our house for dinner or we would go to their house for dinner and we would just talk about like uh the things because they just clearly had so much more knowledge than us and we were just um I guess lapping it up everything that they had to share but yeah. it was uh, definitely yeah my, my husband was learning more about like the vegetable garden stuff from um yeah the Mario was the name of um him and uh Brunalba was helping me with yeah little remedies and and some of it was a little bit at the time for me far-fetched as far as like doing signs on things and I was like it was pretty um not scientific coming from my pharmacy background but I was willing to try it and and kind of uh, see how it goes and and those sort of things and um it was definitely interesting so that was like in person uh learned from them and well, then um yeah as my interest kept on going it was definitely books I've got a quite a hefty library at this point um but also online courses I studied with the Herbal Academy and mm-hmm. more recently last year I studied with Maria Noel Grove so like the author of Body into Balance she has oh, also a awesome. an advanced herbalism course mm-hmm. and um that was like a pretty big commitment for me because um I really admire and respect her as an herbalist and I really wanted to, to study with her, but the times, um, it was actually because of COVID that she 
offered it virtually and I was like this is my opportunity to be able to work with her seeing as I'm in Italy and she's in the US and but the problem was the time was from 6 p.m to 9 p.m eastern time which my time is from midnight to 3 a.m in the morning (laughs) yeah well it was funny because at the time I had like a a six-month-old baby and I was like well I'm up in the morning anyway I I can probably just like feed her and and study and like do it anyway um but I was a little bit too optimistic it ended up being Mm -hmm. that I did miss quite a few classes and had to watch the replays and things like that yeah yeah (laughs) thank goodness she had the replays yeah, exactly. That's it is so useful that we can watch three plays. I did make a few, but it was um no more than a few. I made probably about I don't know some of them, but it was it did end up being harder than I thought to, to make it to the midnight class of herbalism. How <laughs> <So> ambitious! <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she's definitely been um uh, instrumental in my learning as well, Marina O'Groves. Wonderful. Yes, she's inspiring. Yeah. So um, let's see, I'm wondering now what, what you do now as like with your herbal training and with your herbal business, like, can you talk a little bit about um, what you, what you do? Mm-hmm, sure. The, well, like right currently at this moment, mm-hmm. the main thing I do is run Herbal Entrepreneur and um, family stuff <laughs> because I have, uh, yeah, two young kids that are a one-year-old and a four-year-old that take up most of my time. Mm-hmm. And apart from, from that, I do Herbal Entrepreneur and run the Herbal Circle, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, yeah, in the past I have um, run herbal workshops and like walks kind of thing so this was pre-covid times I ran an experience on airbnb and so yeah this was where people would come to our house in Orsinia and um I took them for a walk around the area and um showed them yeah the herbs that I wanted to (laughs) to introduce them to on that walk and then we would come back to our house and um have a yeah, it was a tea tasting session kind of. We um, set up different stations and were focusing on one herb at a time and what you could feel and stuff like that. And then putting together like a little tea package that they could take home as well. So it was just a little um, tea experience. I, I did that for a little bit. But yeah, then COVID happened and I stopped that. And um, at the moment, yeah, I just run Herbal Entrepreneur and um, be a mum. <laughs> Yeah. So what is Herbal Entrepreneur? Because that's how we found out about you in the first place. Yeah. um, So Herbal Entrepreneur is, well, it was started as a hobby originally. It was um, the back in 2019. So in the time that I'd moved to Italy, I moved to Italy in 2013. um, And in that time, I'd kind of been... um, learning how to do websites and be a virtual assistant for people. And um, I wanted to start, like I'd been learning about herbalism and I, I really liked the idea of starting an herbal business. And I, at the same time, my background was actually in running online conferences and events. And mm-hmm. so I thought I would combine my interest in wanting to start an herbal business with what I knew how to do, and that was making online events. And so um, I created Herb Entrepreneur Conference, and the first one was back in 2019. And it was really just an opportunity for me to ask people that I admire questions about their journey as an herbalist so that I could learn from them and ultimately create something that um yeah I would like to do as well and so that was really how Herbal Entrepreneur was born and it has evolved since then but um yeah like the first conference I interviewed I think it was around 15 herbalists for the first conference but um yeah, I interviewed the people that I admired and respected. Maria Noel Gross is one of them, but there are also many others um, that I, yeah, did interview for that one and successive conferences as well. But um, it was born for my interest in um, wanting to start an herbal business, but specifically connecting with other herbalists because I myself 
didn't know any herbalists in real life at that point. And so I wanted to connect with people uh, virtually and uh, do some things together. And so that's kind of how it started. But since then, it has grown quite a bit. So we've now got a, um, a pretty pretty big and thriving community of herbalists who are interested in yeah running some kind of business based on their passion for herbs so there are all different types of people that are part of the herbal entrepreneur audience so there are like yeah people who are growing herbs or foraging or like farmers that sort of thing or people who are making products and um or have a shop and sell herbal products or also yeah people who work with herbs like a, on a clinical basis and teaching workshops or classes or plant walks and that sort of stuff as well so there's like all sorts of different people now and um yeah I feel like herbal entrepreneur is really like the hub that brings those people together so that we can share ideas and help each other especially because often like partnerships between different herbalists who do slightly different things really do uh work well kind of like what we're doing now and all of um all different things like that but um yeah that's what I now herbal entrepreneur is is really that it's a a community of herbalists who are interested in growing a business based on the uh, yeah what they do with plants and it's a place for them to connect yeah that is so valuable because so many herbalists are good at what they do as far as their herbal practice whether it's growing wildcrafting teaching or clinical aspects or making products but when it comes to running a business that's not something we learn in herb school you know that's not that wasn't covered in a lot of our education. Um, and it's like a whole other ball game. And so having that education from herbalists who have been there is so valuable because you can take a business class, but usually it's not the type of business that like, it's not like a business course at a college or something is like really a different ball game than like being an herbal entrepreneur. So I think it's so valuable for the herbal community to learn from, the people who have been through it. Yeah, I I really think so too. You you said that perfectly. The and because it doesn't come naturally to I would say most herbalists as far as just getting comfortable with letting people know about what you do and talking about it and um yeah even worse asking people to pay for what you do like all of this stuff really does make uh us so uncomfortable because ultimately we just want to help people we want to get our work out there we want to be able to you know just be herbalists and um not really focus on the business but the business side of things has to happen if we want to be able to um spend all of our time actually being herbalists otherwise we can't really do it as a proper job and so it's um yeah it's those those pieces all have to come together and learning from people who have actually done it and have experience in the field is so much easier and like especially for a field like herbalism where there are really specific rules like around the language that you're allowed to use and the language that you can't use and like how things should be prepared what sort of processes you need to have in place what sort of records you need to have like there's very specific rules that we need to kind of um abide by and yeah as much as I don't like rules like I said at the beginning we kind of (laughs) know them so that we can um uh play within the rules but still do what we're cool to do as much as possible yeah not get thrown in jail like (laughs) (laughs) exactly at the bare minimum (laughs) at the bare minimum (laughs) yeah for sure so as somebody who you know has experience with running online events even before herbal entrepreneur conference um how how like so, so prefacing that with so many people are moving to online events um, because of COVID. Because obviously. of COVID. Yeah. yeah. So like, how do you run a successful online event? What are some of the key components for folks that are considering doing that? 
Yeah. Well, this is definitely um, something that I learned how to do well before COVID and it just happened to be something that was, yeah, did really thrive um, in the last couple of years. And I do have a lot of experience running online events because, yeah, before I started Urban Entrepreneur, I actually helped with um, putting together a course um, on running virtual summits and yeah helped with the creation and also used to like coach people on this as well um but basically the so the question was how to get people to the events or how to run them what was the question what are like the main key elements for having a successful online event okay so the yeah the one key element is like having topic speakers like having putting together something that is useful for people and people want like so it's basically the speakers they make or break it if you have um great speakers that people love to hear from and um that is they share genuinely useful stuff then people are going to want to attend the event and then it honestly just takes a life of its own mm-hmm. like um now the promotion of the Airborne Entrepreneur Conference for me is honestly really quite easy because um, other people promote it for me as far as like I put it out there and then like other people share it especially if they've attended past years and they tag their friends because they liked it the year before and they um, like that sort of thing so it's um, really around getting the speakers and creating a quality event like that's the most important thing and um, really just producing something that people want to learn from but that's the 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 secret source it's not so secret <laughs> it just has yeah. to be and um, like a really good event and that's um yeah but yeah there's definitely things that can help on top of that as well I think being like user-friendly and really easy to um for people to access is really important and like just being clear about it and that sort of thing and um yeah organization is very important um the being able to pull everything together and because there are a lot of pieces that go into running a conference and um yeah now I have help putting it together but in the early years it was like just me doing everything for the whole conference Mm -hmm. and it's um, a lot of pieces. So if you are thinking about doing an online event, um, be prepared for the lots of pieces that do come together. And um, But it is such a great way to um, grow an engaged community and connect with people. Like because there's like an event and a live event that's at a specific time, like everyone actually comes and they turn up and there's this like there's true energy coming together. Um, even if it's virtual, like people still come away feeling inspired and energized like they would at an in-person event, which is um, pretty cool, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That is the goal. And do you have any like technical tools that you use to stay organized that you would recommend? Yeah, well, the the number one thing that I use that's like simple and free and uh, um, is actually just Airtable. So okay. it's basically just like the flexible spreadsheet, but I use it like honestly for everything. Mm-hmm. But um, specifically, I use it for like outreach and ideas of, so throughout the year when I come up, I, like I notice people who might be good to speak at the event I like put them as a little line in my air table and then I categorize them according to how interested I am in them into speaking and then when it gets to actually outreach I um yeah have columns for at what point in the process I am like whether we're in contact or whether reaching out or um confirmed a date and that sort of thing and it really just helps to organize the um the stages but with lots of different um uh data pieces in there as well like so for example I try to make sure that we have speakers that are covering all of the different pathways and we have speakers from different countries we have speakers from um yeah both different genders and and, um we have speakers um from different backgrounds and things like that as well so I have columns specifically around like that so I can see the spread and realize if I have holes in um the the speaker like in different areas and I can feel that before it kind of gets to event time oh love that the Capricorn in me my heart my heart is singing 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, it's a wonderful tool like a table i i completely love but yeah other tech things as well i use wordpress i use um um i do it all pretty much myself as far as it's it's on wordpress i don't use um event tools but um you mean and, like, uh like hey summit or something like that yeah i don't use those ones but um i've heard of them but i um just yeah <laughs> use my setup that I know <laughs> yeah so you're saying you like record the videos on zoom or something and then upload them to your wordpress website. yeah or well, I upload them yeah I upload them to vimeo to uh-huh. protect them yeah okay, but cool. yeah, actually during the live conference we have them available during um for on youtube as well so cool. that um people can engage in the chat and connect and stuff like that as well there's this extra layer of community when it's premiered to youtube yeah that can be kind of the uh the 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 problem with online conferences is that you don't have as much face-to-face time or that the the live part is uh you know dispensed with to to Mm. to a large degree but i mean there are also so many benefits because you can get people from all over the world and you know, you know, that's not necessarily as easy in a live event. Yeah. But to ha- to, to have like the, the feeling of being in a live event, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The, um, the, because yeah, I think we all know we love live events and I think we love them even more now that like we haven't yeah. been able to go to one for a few years. <laughs> and so we crave them even more, but, um, and that is definitely key. So I try to include as much of that as possible into um, the event. But, of course, you can never, like, truly replace an in-person event. But there are things that you can do. So, like, um, yeah, we have, like, live calls during the conference. So, like, the kickoff and the the finale is um, is live. But we also have um, uh, the VIP networking lunch hour, which is at midday every day of the conference. We have an hour and it's basically just a massive Zoom room with everyone who, um, yeah, upgrades to the VIP pass. And we have a conversation topic and we split out into little breakout rooms, which um, it's almost like forced networking. But to a certain extent, that is almost kind of, it's, it's like a forced networking thing in, in an in-person conference. But like, it's better than a lunchroom in that you're forced to talk to someone and actually introduce yourself because you're you're there for that reason. And so it's kind of okay to be networking. But um, yeah, we have this hour in the middle of the day of the conference where we break out into rooms and just have conversations based on yeah whatever topic has been set for that. And um, it's a nice way to connect with people and kind of make it feel a little bit more live and real um, on on a virtual basis as well, obviously. <laughs> cool. So uh, the next conference is coming up right right away. You know, I think we're going to put this out uh, the week before. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about this upcoming conference and what you're excited about? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, I'm most excited about the speakers. <laughs> that is, um, <laughs> that's the best part. Every year, I'm just like, oh, wow, I just cannot believe the speakers that we got. Yeah, and, I um, this year. That's cool. Yeah, well, this year, we've um, uh, one and only AC is uh, speaking at the conference. She's going to be sharing. <laughs> party, party. <laughs> Talking about um, certified kitchen requirements and her experience making products in NY State, which is really exciting. But, um, yeah, we've got incredible speakers this year. I'm really, really excited about it. We've got, um, so, yeah, Marino Groves, um, Margie Flint, Karen Rose. We have uh, Ben Levine, Sage Popham. We've got, um, let me think here. That's um, great. I should have a list in front of me, but I don't. Um, uh, I have lots and lots of people. We have... Rosemary Gladstar, you said? Or... Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rosemary Gladstar. We've got Anne Ambrecht and we have Erin Lefebvre. We have Aisha, who is... Um, you might... She is actually the person... So Mary Blue Herbalist, who has been doing the really cool reels recently. Yeah. She has been um, uh, kind of behind doing them as well. And so she's wow. talking about Instagram reels. Then we have, um, yeah, Laura Rubin, Lorraine Delmeyer from Formula Botanica and um, Nicole Telkesh. Uh, mm. And like, 
yeah, so many people, Sarah Corbett, Stephanie Boucher, uh, Tad Hargrave, who is like from Marketing for Hippies. And oh, yeah. uh, we looked him up last night. Yeah, he seems he rad. Cool. <laughs> yeah, he was, I, 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 so I've already pre-recorded most of the conference sessions and I recorded his just recently. And it was um, definitely, yeah, very, very helpful. He's got a great um, perspective on making marketing feel feel good and genuine. And he's also going to be doing like a, a workshop for people who upgrade to VIP after the conference as well, a couple of weeks after it's like a, a little mini laser coaching session as well. So that's going to be fun. I'm excited about that too. That's nice. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. We, we have an interview with Karen Rose coming up actually, and we're super excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. You've yeah. got a great list there. We've interviewed uh, some of these people. Yeah. And yeah, it's, 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 it's fun how interconnected every, everything is, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it is. And cause that's what it is all about. Like it's yeah. about sharing ideas mm-hmm. and then stuff growing from there. Like, cause it is this one little step and then someone else adds another idea and then it becomes a new idea. And through doing this, like we all create better things. And so it's like, yeah, the podcast episodes like this, it's um, it comes together to create something better and yeah that's what the aim of the conference is but yeah really just in general building up the profession of herbalism as a whole and like the more connections we have amongst each other as herbalists it really is the better for all of us I think oh heck yeah yeah. synergy yeah yeah Yeah. totally in so many fields there's this sense of competition I was just talking to a, a naturopath who was saying that in her community there is like a sense of not wanting to share an office because they're going to be fighting for the same clients or something, but it's not like that in the herb world. I feel like there's just so much room for everybody and we all have our own communities and niche. And there's so many people that need us, you know, like people need the healing. And I just love that part of the herbal world. Yeah. And I think part of that as well is that there really is a reawakening of herbalism and that the interest in herbalism like just far 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 exceeds the amount of herbalists that there currently are in the world and um the so like there is just like more than enough to go around like we need to be sharing as much as possible because if there's this like continuing renewed interest and um people are wanting to get back to this and wanting to learn more like they're so keen to to delve further into it and um yeah that there it's not a finite supply like the more that we help each other like and everyone does have their own little niche as well like it's um within herbalism there's just so much that you can do and yeah like I just really really don't think that there should be competition like it's just so much helping each other and growing herbalism as a whole is what we're all about mm-hmm. yeah. yeah totally and yeah I think herbalists are really generous with their knowledge too um, you know, wanting to lift up other herbalists. So it's just, it's cool. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have definitely felt that as well. Like I'm always, um, kind of surprised when, um, people, yeah, you know, want to be involved and things like that, but it is, there's a, such this feeling of, um, of warmth and wanting to help others, especially from the like older generation of herbalists who really, feel strongly and, and are invested in the new herbalists coming up and wanting to pass on their knowledge so that it continues down the line. And um, yeah, there is that, that feeling of sharing and continuity, which is, is beautiful to see. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that you have Jeff and Elise Higley from Oshala Herb Farm back this year. Cause I think that was my favorite session from last year. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah the yeah exactly yeah Elise and Jeff are great they are um yeah they've uh, shared some wonderful stuff around to the, the growing and um they yeah they had a great session last year and yeah this year once again they're, they're back I didn't mention them before but um yeah they are always one of my favorites as well this is actually I think the third year running that they are speaking because <laughs> they're also one of my favorites <laughs> oh awesome yeah they they're just like so down to earth. Like you can tell that they work with the, the earth and the plants every day. 
Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Elise is actually a member of um, the Herbal Circle, which is the membership of um, Herbal Entrepreneur as well. And it's true. Like um, we have monthly calls and meetups and stuff like that. And it's always such a pleasure when she joins us and just shares what she's working on because it's truly is working with the earth, but um, also running a successful business on top of it. Yeah. aligned True. with their values like it's not like it's not one or the other it's not business it's not herbs. It's, it's truly an aligned herbal business with their values which is just like the goal for all of us I think exactly so impressive yeah what what is the herbal circle exactly and um who is it is it for yeah the, um so the herbal circle i launched that after the first herbal entrepreneur conference and so this was really in my mind was to continue the community at a deeper level and um i definitely really did launch it for myself as far as i um, wanted to continue having connection points um with people and um I did try a couple of different ways as far as um, having yeah, free meetups and stuff like that. But I ended up finding that, um, yeah, having the, the membership was the perfect way to have people who are truly committed to their business and making it work to show up and share ideas in on that like higher level basis. And so the way the Herbal Circle works is we have a private uh, members group to discuss anything that we want to. And then we also have prompts throughout the month with um, what we're working on. And it's specifically around like um, celebrating small little wins that we have and what we're working on next so that we kind of have that accountability and can look back at what we've done and um yeah realize that we've done something but also make an intentional path and then we also have and this is like kind of the core part of the herbal circle is we have um meetings on zoom so we have two what we call like the tea room discussion calls per month and so yeah that's just an hour of uh time where Everyone who wants to from the Herbal Circle joins us for this time with a cup of tea or whatever they would like. And um, we take turns doing like an update on what we've been working on and bring some sort of question to the group. So it's kind of like a mini mastermind where we just yeah, help each other and offer ideas and that sort of thing. Um, but it's been really helpful for me, but yeah, definitely the members as well. So some of our members have been a member for, yeah, since the beginning in 2019. So a few years now, and it's been so wonderful to watch the growth over that time as well. Like just some members, for example, who started out just selling products at market events and then in this time we're able to like build a website start social media presence and like start making sales through their website in this time and it was also while COVID was happening so they completely pivoted from those in-person events but like watching that whole progress and so in the beginning being unsure what would happen and like talking about that on zoom and then um yeah, the, the progress each month as it goes forward. And and yeah, I really personally like the Herbal Circle because of I feel like I'm, yeah, virtual friends with the people who are members and I get to see, um, yeah, what they're working on and we support each other. So that's um, what I like most about it, I think. That sounds really, really cool. And, and you know, you mentioned that when people are financially like putting in something to something, they will commit to it in a different way. And I definitely wanted to say that I think that's really true. Like I find that with myself, like sometimes the free classes, you know, I'll start attending and then kind of drop off. But when you're like committing to something, that financial input is like actually an important part and you're doing a lot of work for it too. So like you need to be compensated for it. And I think that's like a really smart and like healthy balance balance yeah yeah Yeah, well it it really does make a difference like the (laughs) you you initially think it's just people say that but it really truly does make a difference like um the I experimented with it in the beginning I actually did a a free discussion study group for people who um yeah were wanted to join it and 
it was funny the people attended for the first couple and then like the engagement just dropped off and I'm like hang on guys I'm still here I, I want to study like hello <laughs> and um they but they weren't like they didn't have that commitment anymore and they weren't showing up and so then um yeah but like baking it into a continuity thing people consistently show up and it just completely shifts like first of all people showing up but then because they're showing up they actually start to change stuff and actually do things and then like the the results happen like they actually achieve things so it's um it just does shift everything just I think it's the commitment but it does make a difference that the the level of people who are in there um are ready to create that change yeah, totally. That's exciting to see the changes occurring over the months. I love that. Um, and then we just have one last question before we need to wrap up for the day. But have you noticed with the Herbal Circle and with the Herbal Entrepreneur Conference, like certain common struggles that herbal businesses face? Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely. The um, It's funny because now the Herbal Circle is a really great space for me to really understand uh, people and what herbalists need. And it is, um, uh, there, there definitely are common struggles. Like, so a huge one that I feel like basically everyone struggles with at one point or another is like some form of imposter syndrome or feeling like you don't know enough to be oh working God. with people or you don't trust <laughs> yourself or your decisions like that's just huge oh my gosh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, I feel like this comes up on like maybe every second tier in discussion call that we have, like someone is struggling with it, but it's just like a huge thing. But yeah, there's also other secondary things um, that kind of come out from that as well. Like, so pricing is another thing that people really struggle with doing and like marketing, um, other areas. Uh, um, yeah, I think like a hidden kind of worry is like just the like the backend stuff, everything that you need to do to run the business and keep it organized. But no one really likes to talk about that. They like to like keep that under the rug, but it is like a, um, a ongoing kind of niggling worry that people have. Um, and let me think of other things that people, um, yeah, I would say, yeah, the marketing is a huge piece though. Like the most people really enjoy working with the herbs like creating a relationship with the people and the plants and kind of linking that together spending time and like herbalists are generally pretty good at self-care and looking after themselves as well and um but helping other people in that um and yeah I think the yeah I'm just trying to sum up my, my thoughts here, but basically I, I would say the biggest struggle that people have is imposter syndrome and um, feeling like they are worthy to, to share what they have to share with the world. And I think that probably goes into stuff like pricing too, because it's like you don't value yourself. And so you oh, don't yeah. want to like put, put a price on your product or your service that mm -hmm. is yeah, that that is actually what it's worth <laughs> so. yep <laughs> yep and there's also so many layers into the pricing as well just in terms yeah. of you want it to be accessible to everyone but you also need to to make an income and then also some herbs are actually quite expensive as well <laughs> so just balancing all of those different factors and um uh yeah valuing yourself because often yeah like you said people just completely don't value what they do as much as other people value what they do. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely that. For me, getting over some of that imposter syndrome thing has been like just sort of sharing my learning experience, like learn as I go and share as I go and just know my limitations and what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with, as well as like stepping back and being like, this isn't exactly about me. This is about me being like a steward of the land and a shepherd of the herbs and getting the herbs to the people. So going from like the head 
and an ego centered point to the heart has been helpful for me in that. Have you found anything for the imposter syndrome that is useful for folks? Yeah. So first of all, yes, what you just said now is wonderful. Like as whenever you can remove yourself from the equation and make it about the people and the plants and you're just the messenger like that um, really takes the pressure off Mm -hmm. as far as um, you're not propping yourself up. You're just getting the message out there and that mental shift really helps. Um, Yeah. Other things I have found to help is um, yeah. Firstly, just doing it. (laughs) Like often people, build it up and it becomes this like castle or this huge big wall in their mind but it's actually not that bad Mm -hmm. and so um yeah what we sometimes do when we're like discussing this with people is we talk about like something small that they could do to like kind of get the wheel moving or something that they could uh, start with doing and just breaking it down because often people have this like huge project that they want to do or this huge um um, they, they, they want to be working with clients. They want to be doing something um, and breaking it down into a smaller step that is more achievable that they can do in an, like a smaller time that gives them the confidence that then they can move on to the next thing that's like a little bit bigger. And it yeah, just gets those cogs turning to um, increase the confidence, but uh, yeah, specifically the confidence in themselves so that um, you can, you can do it, I think. So yeah, one step at a time and really just celebrating those little things that happen as they happen. And um, yeah, definitely removing yourself from it as much as possible, making it about the people and the plants that's at the core of it. That's great advice. Cool. Yeah. So this has been really great, Yolanda. Um, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? <laughs> Um, I don't feel like such the wise person with these parting words of wisdom, but um, I will say, um, yeah, like uh, I think the people who are listening to this podcast are probably, yeah, plant people and interested in um, doing things with plants. And um, I would like to offer a word of encouragement maybe just Mm -hmm. to get out there and see what you can do in sharing about your love of herbs with the world and the community around you. So Mm -hmm. this could be anything like it might be, um, yeah, doing some sort of class, a free plant walk. It could be, um, yeah, making products for your friends and family or even just like offering recommendations for people when they ask you about herbalism or mentioning that you work with herbs um, when um, you are having conversations with people. So just like bringing it into your daily life. And um, yeah, if you have been entertaining the idea of uh, making it into something more and um, yeah, maybe working as an herbalist, making it uh, into a business yeah definitely do check out herbal entrepreneur because of um there is a lot of content and stuff like that to help you um on your journey so the herbal entrepreneur conference is coming up that's um yeah coming up it starts march 20 this year we have it happens every year in march and um yeah this year it starts on march 20 so if you're listening i would highly recommend checking that out even if you don't want to start a business there are quite a cool few cool sessions that would be relevant anyway and you can pick and choose and attend the ones that you want to so um yeah I guess that's my my parting words <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's free for for a limited time you know for to actually it do is. it yeah. that's amazing yeah. Yeah, so it's completely free to sign up. The, um, the, there's an upgrade of option if you want to attend the VIP lunch hour sessions that I mentioned earlier and lifetime access to the sessions. But like the actual conference is completely free. So all of the sessions, there's 48 hours to watch each one, which is like honestly more than enough if you choose the ones. And um, yeah, people in previous years have had enough time to watch them for free. So just if you can attend on March 20, you can, yeah, listen in it's completely free and um yeah enjoy connecting with other people we also have um a community group and an app this year the to uh, connect with people um as well as an extra kind of element for the conference which i'm pretty excited about that's our like little experiment for this year really fun well everybody go check out herbalentrepreneur.com to see yolanda's work and thank you so much yolanda joy for being with us today i really enjoyed this chat and i really love your bright and sunny energy 
<laughs> uh, thank you so much. <laughs> it's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you guys. The, um, I yeah listened to a couple of podcast episodes before yeah recording this one as well, and it honestly is such a I enjoy working with you guys, and it's um always fun listening to other conversations as well. So um yeah, I enjoy the conversations that you've had with others, and so hopefully other people have enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that I could be part of the Plant Cutting Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And enjoy the rest of your day. Ciao. Thank you so much.